Hey, welcome to Simone J. I'm Sydney. I'm Shu. And tonight we're going to talk to you about cult deprogramming. Oh, yeah. So, uh, someone's in a cult. You, you want to get them out of it? Got to deprogram them. They're not going without a fight. They aren't. Um, unless they're ready. Yeah. Um, Should I give the definition? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, we're using the wiki as usual. Official source of the Simone Shea podcast. Wikipedia. Wiggity, 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 wick. <laughs> Deprogramming refers to measures that claim to assist a person who holds a controversial belief system in changing those beliefs and abandoning allegiance to the religious, political, economic, or social group associated with the belief system. Okay. The dictionary definition of deprogramming is to be free or to retain someone from specific beliefs. Some controversial methods and practices of self-identified deprogrammers, which I'm sure we'll get into, oh. um, have involved kidnapping, false imprisonment, and coercion. So, Yeah, it's weird because intense. it's... Methods of cult deprogramming are very controversial. Yeah. Because I watched a 60 Minutes documentary from like 1985 about this kid who was in this Christian cult and his mom felt really bad because she got him into it. Like the family was having trouble. They started going to a church. Mm -hmm. She realized, holy shit, they're trying to control my family her and everyone got out, but this one 14-year-old stayed in. So it was easier to deprogram him because they could kidnap him mm -hmm. and hold him because he was a minor. He called the cops like, you can't keep me here. You can't keep me, you know, and the police explained to him, well, actually, you are a minor. Your mom can forcibly hold you overnight. You are not allowed to leave. We are not going to come free you so it worked out easier uh for adults it's more tricky because right. you it happens like i i watched a ted talk where this woman had been a member of the moonies for five years uh -huh. and then she got out and for five years she worked as a cult deprogrammer until she was arrested for kidnapping oh wow because families would hire her yeah to help kidnap because that's usually what it is, right? It's usually like a relative or yeah. like a parent. And they would, yeah, they would. So the family's like, we don't know what to do. Our family member is in this cult and we can't get them out. And they will kidnap them out of it and hold them hostage for a week or two. Like she, this woman said, we would usually hold them for one to two weeks and round the clock try to deprogram them but she was arrested for kidnapping because you can't hold adults against their will like that that is kidnapping by a legal definition um so there's that and then a lot of people have a problem because they say cult some cult deprogrammers are just reprogramming them with a different agenda by saying mm. We don't like your beliefs, so we're going to program our beliefs into it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas what I learned from 60 Minutes is a good deprogrammer does not try to replace the beliefs. 
they try to show the person alternative viewpoints and make them critically think. Right. So this guy was telling the teenager, well, don't you think it's weird that they don't want you to talk to anyone who isn't in the church? And a lot of people, most people talk to people who are part of their faith and other faiths. Like, don't you? And they made it. He made the kid critically think like, oh, shit, like this situation is weird. Instead of just telling the kid, don't believe that, believe this. Yeah. So I I think that's a good deprogrammer. Yeah. It's more like the problem with cults, like the reason people want to get them out of them is because they're usually hurting the people who are following the group. Mm -hmm. They're controlling them. And, you know, it's not a normal way to live in society. It's usually there's forms of abuse happening within cults. Um, and I think that would be the best thing to do is to get the person in the cult to realize all of the terrible aspects of it. Yeah. And apparently I listened to a podcast that was like too fucking, it was two very Jewish uh, clinical psychologists. Uh-huh. And they were talking Uh, One of them was a professional cult deprogrammer and they were talking about how one of the signs of cults is they tell you, you are broken. You cannot live without us. Yeah. Um, And which makes sense because we we talk a lot on this show about how abusive relationships and the way it fucks with your mind is a lot like a cult. Like Mm -hmm. you can't live without me. You don't know how to do this without me. You're nothing without me. No one will ever love you. Yeah. And so that's kind of how cults are. And this episode was like less about cults and they more were maligning Alcoholics Anonymous, which is kind of a different topic. But they were like basically the doctrine of AA is controversial for a lot of mental health professionals because the permanent model of addiction does not actually ring true so when what alcoholics anonymous does is it says you have a disease you cannot get better on your own you are powerless against your addiction you need us and not just you need us but you need us for life and if you leave the program you're going to relapse and you're going to be an addict again and the woman was saying if you go to smart recovery which is a different type of recovery they tell you come as much as you want for as long as you want to and when you're ready to leave you can leave if you need to come back come back but you don't this isn't a permanent thing and like a lot of people will have like they'll be alcoholics from age like 13 to 18 and they'll join AA and be told you know you're an addict for life but it's like no I couldn't handle my booze when I was a teenager and I shouldn't have been drinking but I'm in my 40s now. I can have a glass of wine with dinner. Like, and yeah. so, but AA tells you, no, you're not. You're diseased. You're an addict and you need us. And I was like, oh, that is actually very culty. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of cults, you know, they prey on broken people and they tell you, you can't live without us. Mm-hmm. But in a proper reprogramming situation, you build the person up and explain to them that they have agency and choice and control over themselves because they don't think that they have that. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Do you want me to redo this list of what the wiki says like is a process? Yes. Okay. This is from Sylvia Buford, Buford 
And she's an associate of Ted Patrick, um, who has assisted him on many deprogrammings. And they describe the five stages of deprogramming. Okay. Um, because Ted Patrick is one of the pioneers of deprogramming and uses a confrontational method. Oh. So here's the list. First, you discredit the figure of authority, the cult leader. Smart. Which is what we're talking about, you know, pointing out all the reasons that it's not making sense. Yeah. Or could be bad. Um, present contradictions, ideology versus reality. How, Like, for example, how can he preach love when he exploits people? Okay. Um, then comes stage three, which should be the breaking point. When the subject begins to listen to the deprogrammer and when reality begins to take precedence over ideology. Okay. I like how they brought in reality versus ideology because that's a really good way to think about it. Um, And then step four is self-expression. When the subject begins to open up and voice gripes against the cult. Wait. Oh, okay. So the subject's like, yeah, actually, you're right. I did have a problem when he said being gay was wrong, but then he fucks all the dudes in the cult and (laughs) makes them anal douche first. That's what Jim Jones did. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Last podcast did a six-part series on Jonestown. Yes, they did. And there was something about how being gay was disgusting but he would fuck his male followers and he's like, but you got to have a clean asshole for me to fuck it. <laughs> but don't be gay. Just let me. I am God. I can fuck your asshole. It's not that I'm gay. It's that I'm God. I'm God. Yeah, it's not that I'm gay. It's that I'm God. And then like if someone like if got shit on his dick, he'd be fucking pissed. Oh, really? And I'm like, you know how you can not get shit on your dick is if you not if you don't fuck an asshole. That's true. But like if you're going to put your dick in a butt, these are the risks you're taking, Jim Jones. Yeah. Just because you're God doesn't mean you're not going to get poop on that dick. Hey, look, everyone gets poop on their dick when they stick it in the ass. Yeah. I mean, once in a while, it's going to happen. It's part of life, man. What is it? You play with fire, you're going to get burnt. Yeah. Can't stand the heat? Get out of the kitchen, bitch. (laughs) Can't stand the shit? Get out of the asshole. (laughs) You fucking idiot. Oh, Oh, Jesus. That's awesome. Um, Okay, and then comes step five, identification and transference. When the subject begins to identify with the deprogrammers, starts to think as an opponent of the cult rather than as a member. Okay. And then and then they go on from there. So basically they go on to live their lives. Yeah. It's hard because like cults like Scientology are really bad about like they really isolate people to keep them away from opposing viewpoints. And like any opposing viewpoints is like that's fake news, mm-hmm. you know, that's misinformation. Um, which there's like a whole world out there of stuff that I didn't have time to read about how the Trump Trump administration and the way that like he talks is is very oh, similar to cult it's preaching. Totally cult leader esque. Yeah. Like, if you look at a list of like signs of like cult leaders, uh-huh. like a lot there's a lot of parallels to Trump. Yeah, and it creates this like circular thinking in your brain yeah. where everything relates back to like this must be the truth. Right. Um cuz it fucking traps your mind. Like It does. It closes your mind. It's and that's like 
and I say this like as like a vegan person, like how many vegans are like just being vegan solves all the world's problems. It's going to end global warming. It's going to end obesity. It's like, no, the fuck it isn't like any sort of representation of a simple solution to a complex problem is a sign that you are being fed misinformation and it is comforting it is comforting to be like this one thing if i stop using straws i'll stop destroying the environment but like that's not true yeah and so with cults like people are given like life is overwhelming and scary and complicated but if you just follow what this one fucking guy says because it's mostly always a guy you know then everything's okay and it is probably super scary to leave that and be like, okay, well, the answer to all my scary life complex questions are in this dude and this doctrine. And like the alternative is reality where everything's fucking complicated. Yeah. And like, like, why would you willingly leave what is a simple world mentally to a very complex world? And the answer is because you need to survive. Yes. So and freedom. Yeah. Feels better than confinement. And ultimately we all are strong enough to get through the complications that everyday life brings. Yeah. So you have to um, build yourself up. Yeah. Um, and fortify yourself. And uh, like a lot of like, so a lot of the cults, another running theme on Simone Shea is like when you are not healthy, you cannot think independently. And so a lot of cults, they make people do, manual labor Mm -hmm. and they don't feed them enough they keep them up for really odd hours of time and so part of the deprogramming process is get these people some sleep get them food get them rest um and so then when they're fed information they can process it independently because they're being kept in a scenario where there isn't room for independent thought. Mm -hmm. And so like, it just, you know, it's illegal to kidnap someone, but you're like, no, just let me hold you in my house for a week. And all I'm going to do is feed you and let you sleep. You can't leave. Yeah. But I just want you to eat some healthy meals and I want you to rest. And like, maybe we'll go on some walks and you can get some sunshine. It's like black snake moan. Yes. Oh my God. I love that movie. Uh, me too. Um, and I think I don't remember where I read it, but I think I read that it takes like typically like a week to deprogram someone when Which they're doing it like well, they're doing it like eight hours a day. Yeah. Like talking to them for eight hours a day about but, deprogramming their shit. But um But yeah, that's, that's not, not bad. that much time. Um that also reminds me of a story I heard God, I think I watched a documentary about like Russian adoption or something. Uh huh. Um, but they, this couple adopted this boy who was really, he didn't want them to touch him at all. Yeah. He was like really isolating himself and he was very violent. And what the therapist recommended was that she, the mom, force hold him mm-hmm. for like hours every day because he had never gone through that attachment phase where when your baby's an infant you hold it all the time yes and you learn it needs to learn that its needs will be met without it expressing them and so oftentimes you know orphans and it's common with russian orphans that aren't held or whatever they have behavioral problems and violence because they don't know that their needs can be met without 
aggressive expression of their needs. Yes. And so they basically said, hold it. And like, he's not really allowed to talk and mm-hmm. you just feed him and love him and whatever. Yes. And he will learn like, oh, okay. My needs can be met without me being a fucking monster. Yeah. And I think he was like a, either like 10 or like a teenager. Like he yeah. was an older child. Um, but she did, and at first it was really tough. Like, he would fight her, mm-hmm. and it was, like, really hard, but they did it for, like, I don't know, weeks or months, whatever. It worked. Like Yeah, it after worked really while, well. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've Have you heard it. this? Well, okay. that's why, remember, remember when I adopted Felipe, who was a little street yes. dog, and he was kind of like a fucking crybaby when I got him, and he would just cry all the time, like, He would cry to be fed. He would cry to whatever. And I was like, how can I teach him you're in a home now? Because he was homeless for eight years before I got him. And I was like, how can I teach him you're in a home now? You're always going to get fed and always going to get. Because if his food bowl was empty, he would scream. And sometimes he would pee on his food bowl. And it just was like, we we eat in this house twice a day, you know, 6 a.m. and 2 p.m., whatever. And then I bought I bought this, like, thing that you wear on your chest that you put oh, your dog yeah. in because this lady at a dog show convinced me, like, oh, yeah, I was talking to her about my dog and the Russian orphans. And I was like, I don't know. Like, does he just need to be near me and know I got you? Yeah. Um, which ultimately Felipe did not like his basket. No, because didn't you end up giving it to me? I gave it to you and you used it to take your dog hiking. She loved it. Yeah. Felipe, I'd put him in the basket, but he wanted to crawl up and be held. He didn't want to yeah. just sit in the. I feel like you need more. Of, you needed more of a sling. Yes, I did. Holder. I did. Yeah. But um, eventually we I got him because when I first the first month I had him, I couldn't eat alone. He had to be in my lap at all times. Yeah. And I just was like. I can't live my life like this. Like I'm dropping noodles on his head because I'm trying to eat. But if I put him down, he screams. Yeah. And uh, eventually he did get used to being in a home and was like, okay, I'm good. I can stop being terrible. I mean, yeah, everyone, I feel like everyone goes through that sort of shift at some point in their life. Something similar. Like when I left my abusive relationship, um, my friend, came to my house one day and was like dude you look fucking miserable like this is not gonna end well for you move into my house Mm -hmm. and so I moved in with her and her boyfriend and for the first week like week and a half I remember just having the like most intense anxiety because the house was so quiet and peaceful and you weren't used to it and I was just like so on edge because I was like so used to like chaos Mm -hmm. and I just kept thinking like at any moment like it's gonna like this shoe's gonna drop at any moment shit's gonna get bad and I just kept like waiting for it Mm -hmm. and it took me a couple weeks to realize like no that's done you're good and even though I knew it like at the time in my mind it took my body Mm -hmm. a lot of time to get used to it and not have that nervous reaction of like always being on edge yeah and always being prepared for something crazy to happen um and it you know I I had to deprogram myself from the abusive situation I was in yeah absolutely I I definitely know um after I got out of my abusive relationship one of the funniest things to me was like I couldn't tell if someone liked me unless they were actively destroying my life was my joke. 
where I was like, I didn't know what a normal expression of love and affection looked like because to me, someone who loved me was someone who was stalking all my, you know, social media accounts from when I was a teenager and, you know, emailing people who like this guy wanted me to be in a kind of a slipknotty, like metally band and was my behind my back my partner emailed him and was like i want to be in the band like sydney and i are our package deal oh my god Um, so that guy ended up not wanting me in the band because he's like what the fuck yeah because that's weird yeah and so like that's how my life was for four years was somebody just up in my shit all the time you know hey, shouldn't you be at school right now? Your car's in the driveway. What's wrong? Are you sick? Like stopping by my work, stopping by my house unexpected. And so like I convincing me to, you know, quit bands and stuff. And I didn't, it took me a while because I just was used to that. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, if someone loves you, they're up in your ass destroying your life at all times. What does it mean? And that quiet, you know, trying to date someone who it's like, all right, hey, I'll talk to you later. Oh, yeah. I'm you're like, like what? wait, why aren't you texting me as you're walking away? Yeah. <laughs> what? I guess you don't like me. Yeah, it's very weird. Just yeah. like trying to figure out once you've had an extreme sort of existence. Right. Normal kind of yeah. feels weird. It what doesn't is, feel right. Yeah, it's like, what is normal? Because everything I've been doing, I thought was normal. And it's like this. It was normal to you. Normal is really, really uh, off-putting. Yeah, like normal to me was I just hang out with these like twenty other people, and we all wear burlap dresses, and we, (laughs) you know, make we we farm radishes all day, and then we fucking suck this dude's dick. Yeah. Um, and then you know, going back to normal life and being like, oh, you can wear any of the clothes. You're like, I'm sorry, what? There's colors. And then when do we suck the dick of the guy we don't like? You know, like, and he's like, no, you don't have to suck a dick unless you want to suck a dick. And you're like, what? (laughs) This fabric isn't itchy. What's happening? This fabric isn't causing my skin to be a total rash. (laughs) Oh, la, la. Yeah. So I guess what makes it so controversial is that there's been a lot of cases where deprogrammers are violent towards the people. Like, not only violent in the sense of kidnapping someone, which has to be extremely traumatic, especially if you think that you're like living with your family and you don't want to leave them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, someone just kidnaps you. But there have been other cases where deprogrammers like beat them or yell at them or like you said earlier, try to get them to believe in something else. Um, so it's but to me, it's kind of like anything like. There's going to be people who take advantage of the situation. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but it happens. Yeah. And also, like, that's the thing is because it's not an established, like, line of um, academic or studied thing, much like addiction treatment, like, there be there is no empirical data behind any of the fucking methods that are used in rehab centers or addiction treatment like none of that shit is based on like empirical research data studies none of it Mm -hmm. it's people who and so 
people put their trust in, we're going to send our, our family member to Promises and Dr. Drew treats patients there and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but none of their treatment methods are proven by science. And that's kind of how a lot of cult reprogramming is. There's, mm-hmm. It's just everyone's kind of acting as a rogue agent and it's not based on anything. And so I yeah. feel like it's more like I tried this on a few people and it worked. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing that. Or like I was in a cult and now I'm not. Yes. So I'm going to help other people not be in cults. I'm going to try to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how, you know, people end up like they were drug addicts and they joined Scientology and they got clean. And so now they're recruiting drug addicts like join right. Scientology. It got me clean and people try to leave and then they like put them in restraints and uh, they end up dying. Uh, which is a thing that happened. Ooh. So I kind of feel like Leah Rimney is a deprogrammer. She is leading and the charge. She's, yeah, she's doing a great job. I've I've never watched the show. Her show's very good. Her book is very good. Okay, she's doing very good and important work. I think so. And the tables are reaching that point in Scientology where like I feel they, like people are starting to realize like it's it's a crock. Yeah, because for a long time they are very good at taking down their opposers and like oh i would listen to this podcast about cult reprogramming or deprogramming and they had done an episode about cult deprogramming and scientology and their site mysteriously crashed and that episode disappeared whoa because scientology does shit like that you know Mm -hmm. and they dox people and they harass people and they get people to press charges claiming sexual assault and like, you know, they ruin people's lives. Yeah, they are terrible. But I think we're reaching a turning point where it's like, no, the press is so strong against you. Like all of your sort of things to take down your opposers are really futile because yeah. people know you're a sham and you're crock and your numbers are dwindling. Mm-hmm. So I know I always see headlines that are like Katie Holmes and Nicole Kidman team up against Tom Cruise. But I never click on it because I feel like it's just clickbait. It is. But clickbait. I do wish that that would happen. Yeah. That they would both come out and be like, yeah, he's fucking insane. His beliefs are insane. He hits people. He hit. He physically assaults his staff. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I did read that he hasn't seen Surrey in years. That's good. Good um, for Surrey. Yeah. She was running a lemonade stand at Gay Pride. Oh. I know. Katie Holmes is the best. I know. She's a black boyfriend. What's better than that? I mean, nothing. No. (laughs) It's weird that I think that. Like, I'll be like, oh, girl. Like, Laura Dern. Yeah. My twin. Yes. uh, She dated Common, the rapper. And then she dated some sports guy. And Uh I was like, get it, girl. You got a fever for the flavor. Like, because she is very Caucasian. Yeah, she is. Much like me, Laura Dern is hella Caucasian. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit, girl, you are getting the bottom knocked out by the brothers. Like, good for you. You can get down. And then I was like, when does Laura Dern get to have a hot black boyfriend and I'm all alone? And I was like, probably because, number one, She's wealthy and successful and beautiful. And number two, she's not awful. <laughs> she's not terrible. And she doesn't go, why do they have a boyfriend? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so anyways, but um, you know, I'm a mature adult woman. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love interracial dating. I love it. Did I tell you when I first shaved my hair into a mohawk? Like literally the next day I was getting coffee at Circle K 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this group of guys pulled up. They were black gentlemen, which only matters because we're talking about dating black people. Yeah. Um, and he asked for my number. And I was very flattered because yeah. I had just shaved my head into a mohawk and my roommates made fun of me. I was very nervous to walk into my office because I knew all the old women I work with were going to have feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and it really lifted my spirits. Unfortunately, I got very nervous. As I've said previously in the podcast, I I have feelings uh, about men. I'm leery yeah. of all men. Uh-huh. And so I said, he asked for my number and I said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't have my phone on me. That's a fine answer. And he said, you don't need your phone to give me your number. And I was like, I think I do. And then I just got in my car and left. But I did feel flattered. Yeah. And it was great. I feel like oftentimes men of color are more into interesting and unique women like, white dudes will get down with, like, a roller derby chick or a suicide girls chick. Oh, yeah. White dudes are okay with that, but, like, a fucking brother will be, like, shaved head, cool as fuck, you're wearing a yeah. tutu and some platforms, get it, girl. Well, I liked it because I don't really ever get hit on by black men, so it felt great. Yeah, I get it a lot because I have a certain flavor yeah. to my yeah. style. Totally, I can see that. Yeah, we're, like... I don't I don't get as many compliments on my fashion by white people as I do by black people. Okay. Like usually when I have like a moment where I'm talking makeup and clothes, it's uh-huh. with like a cute black chick where nice. I'm like, I see you girl, like I understand. Yes. Um I'm you know I, I love also it. yeah, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So totally. anyways, oh. uh <laughs> cult deprogramming. Yeah. Am I right? Am I right, guys? Am I right? Deprogram yourself from your whiteness. Ugh. I'm trying. I mean, it, <laughs> but like when you see me dance, I have a terrible uh, case of the Caucasian. Oh, my God. I almost asked you to do your dance when you came over today. What dance? Because I was just thinking about when we were in San Francisco. And oh, yeah. What was that? We dance? had this dance that we would always do to our bike boy song. Yeah. And I was like, I need I need a video of Sydney doing that dance. I don't remember what that dance was. I'll show you after we're done. Okay, you have a video of me doing it? No, but I kind of remember and I'll I'll try to imitate it. Okay. And then I think it'll like spark the memory in your I've head. been dancing more when I'm alone. I've been putting on the tunes and dancing. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it is like when you do not dance and you're self-conscious, you look even worse because you're yeah. just too stiff. So now that I do like yoga and Pilates every day, um, after the gym, I shower and I put on some pop music and I've been working on my moves because I'm like, I being self-conscious is what makes you a bad dancer. It's not the moves that you're doing and it's not even the rhythm that you have or don't have. In my mind, it's doing just whatever you're going to fucking do, do it with confidence. Right. And that's in, like in general, like when you see a woman who looks awkward wearing high heels. Oh, yeah. That happens. A, I see that a lot. I know. And I'm just like, dude, if you are going to look like that in high heels, just don't fucking wear them. Wear some flats. I think that too. Whatever you're going to fucking do where it's like, oh, I'm wearing high heels. So now I'm going to stoop because I'm embarrassed of how tall they are. And take like really small steps. Yeah. Like fucking work that stride, yeah. girl. No, I wear platforms all the time and I am ridiculously tall in them, but I'm like, why would I slouch? Like, you just have to fucking be like, this is me. I'm a giraffe today. I am not. Yeah, I'm peacocking. 
yeah. I'm not going to be embarrassed of my Ugh. peacocking. So that's been my yeah. new thing is I'm trying to get used to dancing because oh, I like that. I really I used to go out dancing all the time when I drank. Um, but as a sober person who isn't a great dancer, it gets worse when I'm in my head and like, this is embarrassing. I'm so bad mm-hmm. at that. Instead of being like, listen, I'm white. I got two moves. These are them. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. It's uh, never going to be good. So, I you like know. That. Yeah. Um, I vote. I told you how Nikki Glazer, comedian who I, I feel like you both yeah. have similar qualities um how she was on dancing with the stars she got voted off. i voted for her she got voted off she's the first person Mm -hmm. i love her she was an awkward dancer well and you can i listened to her on joe rogan and she talked a lot about that experience because she'd just been voted off yeah and you could she's just so in her head and overthinking everything yeah and I'm like, you could tell because it, it just looked very awkward. Yeah. I was like, dude, I can hear just listening to you talk about dance. I know you're not a good dancer <laughs> because you're so in your head yeah. and you need to get out of your head and into your body, into your whole, Which I into feel- your soul. Exactly. Like, you know, what makes a good lover is someone who's not in their head. They're in their yes. heart. Yes. Oh, my God. I really had to work on that because I look way too in my head. Like. I don't know, is this good? Or I start thinking about other things like, oh, does this feel good? Oh, does he like it? And once I just finally let go and started focusing more on the like feeling and being in the moment. Yeah. Oh, um, Shu got her groove back. Yeah, that I mean, that's very important. So when yeah. people get overly like, what do you like? What do you want me to do? And I'm like, let's just really connect in this moment. Yeah. And it's not about what I like in general. It's what we like to do together. So let's go on this journey. We're not in a hurry. No. Let's explore it. Like, don't ask me to draw you a treasure map for me to get an orgasm because that's not my goal my goal is to have a great time with you yes we are gonna come totally that'll happen but that's not the goal and we don't we don't need a treasure map so we can get straight there let's just wander around this beautiful island and we'll discover little gold coins wherever they may be do it yeah i had some great sex last night what it was great I'm happy for you. Thank you. I had some great sex today. Oh, look at us with our sex lives. I know I have one now. Um, it Me was you. No, I'm just. I've yeah, she, she's had. She's, she already what done had her. What if I was like, we waited. We've never had sex in our relationship. And then we decided we should also wait a year till until we've been married for a year. And then you can finally and have sex. We, we lost our virginity to each other last night. Our born again virginity. Your born again virginity. That would be it's actually what happened. I'm confessing this to you right now. Jesus, I'm sorry you <laughs> waited so long. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like listen. I waited about five days before I, I was like, "Hey, Lou, I like you a lot. So let's fucking do this. Can we please just bang it out? Because I enjoy you, and not only do I want to have sex with you, but I want to be around you after we have sex." Oh. Um, mainly because then you'll get hard and we'll have sex again. Uh, yeah, no, I had this sort of weird sex because I have, this happens every time I start dating someone. 
from making out. You know when you first start dating mm-hmm. and you're like, you're making out a lot and like the beard burn oh, yeah. agitates my lips and I always get a cold sore. Mm-hmm. Like the first week I'm dating someone, always. So of course, I'm like, hey, remember how like banged a couple times? Um, yeah, I have a giant fucking cold sore. And then I had what I call pretty woman sex where I was like, we can have sex, but like we can't kiss. <laughs> yeah. So let's do that. Yeah. And hopefully this situation resolves and we'll just try to make it a kinky good time. Totally. Because then I was like, I'm sorry, I'm a monster. And it's like, very, like people get cold sores, it right? happens, yeah. But like, it's, I'm like, it just, I just hate that it always happens the first week I'm dating someone. Of course. So anyways, awkward. He's very understanding. Good. I wore some wax lips. Oh, so uh-huh. I had a beautiful pout. Yeah. And then I just rubbed the wax lips mm. that I got at the candy store. I didn't do that. <laughs> I wore vampire teeth. Hilarious. And I said, I want to suck your dick. <laughs> but I have oral herpes. <laughs> ah! <sighs> All that to say. Don't be in a cult. I think that deprogramming is good. (laughs) If it's done the right way, I think it's a good thing. Because how else are these families going to get their kids back? Because, yeah, if you Uh, wait till they're ready to leave, it may never happen. It might be too late. Yeah. Because it's really hard when when you're in it to have that moment of awareness. It is. So you need to kind of get them out to help wake them up. Yes. So... But also, like, just really stay in touch with your loved ones and try to prevent them before they're in and it's too late. Even if you don't get along, even if the relationship is strained, this is something I've learned from, like, becoming an adult is, like, you can't give up on your family. Yeah. No matter how hard it is sometimes, like, even if you guys aren't on the same page in life, in morals like you have to stick it out because you're bound by you're bound to them by some weird blood magic i mean none of it means anything to me but i'm never gonna give you up never never gonna gonna let you down never gonna let a cult indoctrinate you gonna deprogram you Gonna get you out gonna keep you in a house for hours I know, I know, I know, I know. You can't get deprogrammed. Man, I just want to make keep. I just want to make a Simone Shea musical so bad. Yes, I want that. Can you fucking imagine the weird, like schizophrenic acid trip that shit would be? It's just all over the place. Just a fucking stream of consciousness. Yeah, Weird Al style. Oh, I love it. Oh yeah. I love it a lot. I love it. I love uh, it a lot. I love it so much. I want you all to know that today I ate, I got my favorite meal from McDonald's. I ate my two cheeseburgers ooh. and a fry. Ooh, and ooh, it was delicious. Ooh. Um, That's cool. Oh, shit. Okay, so I'm going to eat jackfruit tacos on Tuesday because I've been slacking on jackfruit yeah. taco Tuesday. Shout out to the two fucking people who did it yeah. a couple weeks ago. I love our fam. And so we're going to keep trying for Tuesdays. Maybe I'll make some this Tuesday and I'll like do like a videogram of it. So 
Because I was at the store the other day and they had all these pre-marinated flavors of jackfruit. There were like four or five different flavors. Wow. At Nature's Grocers. Wow. Oh, yeah. Let's Ooh. do it, baby. Do oh, it for, yeah. Do it for Beyonce. She needs your support. Yeah. She ended her tour. She's doing great. She's at home now again. With all her kids. The fam's all there. Fam's all here. Wham, bam. Thank you, fam. That's right. All right. Have a great fucking day.